Hello there, and welcome to Kingdom of the Logos. Today, we're going to be asking the question, is that in heaven? Now, this is going to be a conversation that is both lighthearted and also very serious. We're going to be having some fun with a series of topics speculating whether or not they will be in the new heaven and new earth. We always have these questions. You know, will I be able to eat my favorite treat in heaven or something mm. like that? So, I'm Pastor J. Dylan Proctor. There are two others here with me in the studio, and let's begin. I'm Pastor Amanda Sparrow. I'm Pastor Mike Proctor. And my voice is going crazy places here at the beginning <laughs> of this, but that's all right. So what we're going to do today is we're going to give each of these items, because I've got 10 items that I'm going to ask about. We're going to give them a rating on the scale of 0 to 10, and then we'll add our total number up, and that's how we're going to rate this whole program. Does that make sense? Yeah. Are we supposed to be keeping track of our scores, or are you... I will do my best to keep track of okay. the scores. Because <laughs> if not, I might need to run and grab paper and pen, but I think we'll be all right. <laughs> yes, we might need to grab paper and pen. Um, so, let's get started. All right. You ready? All right. Number one, work. Do we think there will be work in the new heaven and new earth? All right, so here's, here's why I asked that. Okay. When you've seen the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, when you take and view that, they were supposed to be tending the garden, meaning mm-hmm. there's labor to be done. Work in and of itself is not a product of sin and suffering. There might be some toils and snares that are products of sin and that chaos, but work itself it is, is a good thing. So what do we think about that, work? So we're, and we're doing a scale, right, from 1 to 10? Sure, one the being, probability. Yeah, 1 being like very low probability, 10 being very, very good probability. Yes. just want to make sure I'm, I'm on the right scale. Um yeah, I think I think a ten because, like you said, in the garden, and if kind of the beginning is the end in mind, or the end is going back to the beginning, then uh, and and I think also depends on how you define work. But for the most part, there would be some kind of concept of um, well, heaven's not going to be one big worship service. I know that's kind of a popular opinion of what heaven's going to be like, and for sure, we're going to be worshiping God and, and God's fullness and we being perfectly uh, human in our resurrected bodies. But it, it there is going to be something that happens where we have mission and purpose that continues into all of eternity. So, yeah, I think there will be work. Pastor Mike. I'm going to give it a 10 because uh, I think there's something about just in the Greek la- language of work and deeds and actions that that uh, really reflect how God designed us and and uh, you know it's great for someone who finds something they enjoy doing so much that it's you know we have this negative con context of work so many times because we're, we're doing you know things we don't want to do but I think the context in which we're speaking in um, eternal life that there will be work that is so enjoyable so I'm gonna give it a 10 mm, yeah Alrighty, I'm going to give it a 10 as well. And kind of to the point of worship, I actually think there can be a lot of overlap between mm-hmm. work and worship. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a preacher. Like I get that my, my <laughs> professional vocation is both worship and work. But I think just generally in life, we can do a lot that actually reflects God and worships God through many of the things that we do. Again, Adam and Eve were originally designed to do labor in a garden. Mm-hmm. And of course, that's some form of worshiping God. So I think that one definitely gets a solid 10. You yeah. know, I think the the word liturgy also is what we often, liturgious or however you want to say that, um, it or liturgia, I think it is, is how it, if it's a verb. But, you know, yeah, it is, it is service and it is work. And it's not just... Um, 
you know, the it is it's worship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And worship and work go hand in hand. All right. Coming up at number two on our list. This one's going to be a little bit more personable. Hmm. It's also a weird word, personable. So this is kind of to certain temperaments and things out there. Ice cream. Do we think there will be <laughs> ice cream in heaven? Now, that's a, a peculiar one. I'm just going to throw it out there. Um. Yeah. I mean, the, the uh, popular imagery for the early church about heaven would, would be the, the wedding feast or, or the banquet feast. Uh, so... Who, who knows exactly what it will be or what will be available. Um, if it's a buffet, it will actually be a decent one. <laughs> Not the scary one where you're terrified of what germs have been passed uh, passed on. But, uh, yeah, I could I could see ice cream. I'm Yeah, because there has to be a particularity. Right, it's not going to be the essence of food. It is going to be food. So I'll, I'll give it a – I almost don't want to give it a 10. So I'm going to say like a 9, 9 and a half. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I don't know why I don't want to give it a 10. So let's just say nine. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. Pastor Mike, are you going? Well, first of all, Pastor Mike, are you going to defend the good name of buffets before we go much further? No. 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 <laughs> See, I'll just leave that, I'll leave that as it is. I've been to some good this, buffets. This is the thing. I set Pastor Mike up for that one, and he's like, no, I'm not defending buffets. <laughs> not but then I'm not touching it. You're but then you said you've been to good buffets. I have been to good buffets. So you can say something nice about buffets. <laughs> I, you know, I'm going to give it, um, well, this is the thing. We know that the resurrected Christ did taste the honey and the honeycomb. Um, and so there is this understanding of a desire for food and sweet that God is going to fulfill that desire. Now, for those who are, who are, lactose intolerant I do believe they will be receiving a new body that will not have that so I'm going to go ahead and give ice cream a 10 mm. alrighty I'm going to give it a 6 Okay. so just below passing like passing would be 7, 70% and the reason why is because I actually don't know there might be something oh. better than ice cream mm. see that's the whole thing Like we, we might have C.S. Lewis writes about this it's not that our desires are too much it's that they're too low mm. like you look at something like Genesis 18 where Abraham tries to negotiate with God over Sodom. Do we realize the city that Abraham is begging to save is Sodom? Like if we thought about this, like if you're going to go intercede on behalf of a city, have a little bit higher standards than Sodom and Gomorrah. Like there's just that's an element of that to me that's just like hilarious, like begging for the trash, like God please give me the trash. Like I want I want the smut, the list, like low quality stuff is like, come on. We we have to set our standards really high. And ice cream by human standards is something that's really high. <laughs> right? So ice cream is super delicious. It's there's not very many ways to mess up ice cream. Like I'm the sort of guy that likes to put like the gummy candies and stuff mm. in ice cream, like go all in for it. But at the same time, I'm gonna leave it open that be like, we might get to heaven and have the whole day of judgment and afterwards you might find something like way more delicious than ice cream and and we might be thinking a little bit too low with that one but at the same time it's pretty good the promised land is the land of milk and honey and one of the beautiful things i see about the land of milk and honey that these things are something that really that there's no animal that loses its life in milk and of course honey is 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 a product so milk and and honey are, are both things that are products that really didn't cost anything. It's life. And I'm going to say, I'm going to stick with my 10 on ice cream. <laughs> You're going to stick with your 10? Yeah. All right. 
All right. Well, land of milk and honey. The land of milk and honey. Number three, racing. Before we get into this, I'm going to leave racing open to find. Like you can, if you want to take this in like the version of NASCAR Formula One. Okay. Oh, okay. If you want to take it in the form of like track, something where it's actually like an athletic thing, then take it in that direction. But racing, number three. Uh, you know, there's a part of me that wants to kind of give a silly answer, like because Paul talks about finish the race, race well. Yeah. Um, and so like be like, oh, there is no more racing because we have finished our race. But at the same time, um, I think that's a very limited understanding of that verse, obviously. So, but I think I don't know about NASCAR, like you, kind of like with what you're saying about ice cream. I think we've set our bar too low. And as someone who does not enjoy watching car races, that's not going to be kind of even humanly is not high on my uh, wish list for what I will see in heaven. But I think there will be some kind of still, I think entertainment and amusement are still going to exist in heaven. So I'm going to give it a seven, like just barely passing. Okay. Pastor Mike. I'm going to go with a 10. Paul does refer to race. So let's run the race that's set before us and all of these things. He does that over and over again. But, you know, the race that is set before us is not just, you know, the, the presence of Jesus and being there. It, If anything, I think it reminds us of the race that has been set before us. But also, I, I, I think for some people who who race, and and even in many racetracks, not necessarily NASCAR, but on the smaller level, you see such a camaraderie and fellowship among those who are often racing each other. But after the race, there's this whole, um, you know, not always, but uh, a lot of times it's just a tremendous amount of respect and appreciation for one another. So I'm going to say I, I give it a 10. Okay. <laughs> Dirt bike racing. Dirt bike racing. <laughs> yes. Yes. I, my first instinct is to give it a 10, but I'm going to give it a 9 because here's my justification. Even athletic endeavors can be a form of giving glory to God. Like, mm-hmm. you gave me this body, you've given me this will, and now I'm going to do something that is excellent. You are holy and excellent, therefore I should be holy and excellent, therefore I must aspire to great things. There is a place to use one's body and something like a race, like an athletic enterprise that, that is reaching for that really high bar to give glory to God. But the only reason I'm not giving it a solid 10 is there might be some variable I'm not giving account for mm. in the dynamics of heavenly life. And the cause of that, I'm going to leave that, that 10% chance, <laughs> <laughs> which for the record, I'm giving more than a 10% chance that God knows a lot more about the new heaven and new earth than I do. But I'm just going to give this one a, a nice nine. nine. Yeah. A nice nine. It is a safe. All right. Number four on our list. This one's kind of interesting. Um, also, I hope we all give this the same answer, but we'll see. Number four, clothing. Do we think there will be clothing in the new heaven <laughs> and new earth? Um. Yeah. Well, it talks about the white robes. Right. So I think there's a pretty good chance that there's clothing. And yet, if we're doing kind of with the end in mind and going back to the beginning, there was no reason for clothing. And actually, I read something or heard something recently that kind of talked about it. Something I think I knew, but someone put it in some language that that clicked better in my brain. But this whole idea about covering ourselves or Adam and Eve covering themselves was really because 
they weren't sure how the other person was going to judge them. Yeah. So at, before the fall, everyone had the same judgment metric. It was God's. Yeah. But then after the fall, if I'm judging for me what I think is beautiful and you're judging for you, then all of a sudden now I have to be scared to show yeah. my true self because we're not measuring by the same thing. Right. And I think, you know, in heaven, again, we're going to be given that same metric where we live fully into the beauty and the appreciation and the 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 science, the physiology of God. And so clothing will no longer be necessary. At the same time, that seems seriously uncomfortable in my little human here on earth brain. So I'm, I'm going to hope there's clothing in heaven. Um, I think there's a good chance for it, especially because we have the imagery of, of the of the whitewashed robe. So See, yeah. I, I, I'm going to give it a 10, but also knowing that it's not needed. It's going to be there, but it will not be necessary. Okay. And see, that's where I would go with this too. I'm not going to give my rating just yet, but you do see Jesus having like a robe dipped in blood. There, There's clearly evidence that God himself has some amount of clothing. Now, for what purpose or to what end that is, again, God does as he may. But nonetheless, there may be a, a dynamic mm-hmm. set of reasons for this. And going back to the garden, I think another reason that you find Adam and Eve be so ashamed is they realize they're inadequate. Up to this point, they've lived in a garden where things are relatively peaceful. Now you got to go out into a world with thorns. Yeah. Um, being naked around thorns may not be the most pleasurable thing. Um, the same thing with, you know, mosquitoes, bugs, all sorts of insects. There's, there's a cold, lot of sun. Yeah, hot, cold. There's a lot of yeah. reasons why you need that protection. But nonetheless, that's still a version of what you're saying. Like you're inadequate now. The, the rudiment has now changed, mm-hmm. and I'm no longer sufficient to, to stand. Pastor mm-hmm. Mike, though, clothing in heaven. You know, I don't know that I'm, you know— really uh, have any credentials to even answer this but I will (laughs) even though I have credentials (laughs) I know so little uh, about you know exactly what there is still a great mystery but I'm going to kind of follow up like uh, Pastor Amanda you know not only do we see Jesus uh, clothed um, you know in in the white robe and and so we also hear about others being clothed I even like the the analogy of clothed in the righteousness of Christ Jesus. And so I'm going to give it a 10 because of not only the biblical perspective of that, but, you know, I think there's a whole thing that when we come before the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, that we want to be, um, you know, honorable and respectful. And, I, and you know, there I think... I'm like Amanda. I don't know that you actually need them, but if you can adorn yourself to bring honor to the King of Kings, then I say it's a 10. Mm. And see, while we don't have all these answers, God has revealed to us a lot more than we think. And Pastor Mike, you took this in a direction where I'm kind of glad you did. You kind of moved this to kind of a metaphorical clothing. You know, somewhere like Revelation 22, it talks about how in Revelation 22, 4, they shall see his face and his name and his name shall be in their foreheads. Like, there's actually something physically upon their body. Like, mm-hmm. the name isn't part of their body, but yet it's it's inscribed upon their body in the same way like clothing might be on top of you. So there's some, some room to kind of play with that. How do you interpret somebody's name? Like, is a tattoo clothing? Like, you know, there's some weird areas, some gray area there. I'm going to give this one an eight because I think it's it's a little bit more than passable seeing that you see Jesus in the white robe. You see other illustrations of people in heaven where it kind of references um, robes. Even the angelic beings that you see, sometimes they, they kind of look like fire and lightning. 
So that's that's kind of an interesting thing to wear. You know, if, if that's going to be up for the table, like I'm all here, like let's wear the lightning. Like I, I'm fine with that. You're good for that. I'll be, I'll be good with that. And I don't know if y'all have any final thoughts on like if you could wear the weather <laughs> like some of the dazzling angelic beings do. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. I'm down for lightning. Uh, yeah, there is something kind of interesting and fun that sounds like that. But also, I guess laundry would be super easy. So yes. I, I do like that because I am terrible at laundry, like clothing rarely, like I have enough clothes where I don't have to do laundry except for maybe every other week, if not every three weeks. And even then once it's washed, it remains in the laundry basket until I need it again. So I I very rarely fold or let alone iron things. But anyway, so yeah, clothing that wouldn't have to be washed sounds really great. Yeah. As long as it's not the smoldering ash, because I think that's more you're in the lake of fire. Like let's not be wearing As long as it's not like the the warm hug of death that is Nashville humidity. Yeah, that's not the kind of uh, (laughs) weather we want to be putting on. (laughs) All right. Let's go on to number five. Oh, this one, this one out there for everybody that does more modern worship, drums. <laughs> Will there be drums, drums in, in heaven? heaven? Well, there's, there's, it talks about the tambourine, and I think there's some list that includes some percussion instruments, and uh, I, I don't think that's what you're going to be doing for all of eternity. I don't think there's a, a drummer for the Lord that just keeps on rolling. By the grace of God. <laughs> but for the grace of God, we can only hope. Um, but I wouldn't discount the possibility for that. Um, I, I also think, like, and that's what earlier comment when I said, like, heaven's not going to be one big worship service. I agree, like you, you said, worship work is worship. Worship is work. Like, those two are not necessarily segmented out but often we reduce worship to simply what we do in the first half of our services on sunday mornings and so that's i have an apprehension with being like yeah drums are in heaven because i think then that leads us to just kind of over reduce uh which those two words are opposites but anyways um reduce what that is going to be a part in our life uh with god when there's nothing but the kingdom so I want to give it slightly above passing, so I'm going to say an eight. I think it's very possible, but its its function's going to be very different. So you're giving it an eight? I'm going to give it an eight. Pastor Mike? Well, this is uh, basically subjective in, in uh, from my opinion, but I'm going to give it a ten uh, simply because, you know, God has this orderly rhythm of life. The seasons change, and there's this whole essence of time that that has this rhythm and even the liturgical calendar is a rhythm that that we experience and it, and it, it does come around every year again and again and again and again and again I, I just um, yeah I think it you know the it is a tool to use to proclaim that God is such an orderly God and the God of all rhythm and that holds all the universe and the 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 heavens and the earth together. So I'm gonna give it a ten. Oh my goodness. I just <laughs> this next one. Oh no I've got to give answers. Yeah. So number number five. Um drums, I'm gonna give it a ten. It's one of these things where I have a love hate relationship with it. <laughs> so it's one of those things like you you know there are people that you disagree with, but you're like, man, I, I don't want to be in hell. I don't want them to be in hell either. So it's like I, I, I'll be fine if I have to sit next to the river of life with you for eternity. But at the same time, you just kind of like it kind of grates my soul a little bit. <laughs> just a little bit. It's like there's not really many people who are lukewarm about drums. You're either all in for it or you're like not. 
And <laughs> drums are one of those things where we're pretty sure music's going to be in heaven. I mean, you look in Revelation 15, there are those who are killed by the beast. They're now playing harp music. So if, if music's going to be there, presumably the drums will be there too. That's also one of those things where it's like, I, I hope our aspirations are higher than like current <laughs> modern music, but I'm pretty sure they're going to be there. Well, there's a lot of people. didn't say who would be playing the drums either. Didn't so, say I who. mean, you know, that has a big, a big part of that. But, but the thing is, is, is <laughs> I, there are a lot of people heaven. who are drummers that I, I really like. <laughs> yeah. Some, some good friends that I've had growing up have gone on and really been into been, big into drums and things throughout life. And, you know, it's just one of those things where. They they're very overpowering when they're overpowering. There's not any lukewarm territory for drums, so they'll they'll be there. It's, it's like you're gonna show up after the day of judgment, and, and everybody's like, ah, oh, yeah, there comes the drum set rolling in. Like, oh, <laughs> it's the heavenly drum set. It's not one that was brought up from earth. Like God's got His version of it made out of like gold or glass or something. And you're you know, like, I, I I knew it was going to be here. Like, <laughs> gently there is. <laughs> this is going to make everybody mad. Okay, um, right. And for some they, people, you know, they just uh, they they do not like drums whatsoever. And, and I know that's not, what I'm that saying. would not be heaven for them. That's that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. It's there's nobody as lukewarm about drums. <laughs> nobody, nobody, which is fine. Thank thank goodness that we we all have that multitude of 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 things that we can do to give glory to God. Mm. That that's actually a good thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, so number six, animals. Animals, animals, animals. Pastor Amanda. Ten. And I think, and not just animals in like a generic sense of like there will be lions, there will be tigers and bears and oh my. Like there will be, um, I'm going to just go out and and like, I'm going to say all dogs go to heaven, all animals go to heaven. God is redeeming all of creation. And I'm not sure if I have all the theological basis for it, but Duke will be in heaven. That's, I'm... I'm I'm putting my faith there. Is he a good dog? Has he repented? <laughs> um, my sister teases me and says my dog's a Calvinist because he believes he's the only one going to heaven, and he is a very spoiled dog, so it makes sense. Uh-huh. But anyways, no, Duke's going to heaven. I think partic- all, all of creation is being caught up in the life of God, and therefore not just an essence of dogs or an essence of animals will be there, but every animal that has lived will be redeemed in, in, in the kingdom. And so, yes, 10 animals will be there. Particularly Duke, my dog. <laughs> Will Duke be racing in heaven? No, I don't think so. Because he is a greyhound. He is a greyhound, but a lot of those races are not their choice and are not not all greyhounds are treated well. And so I'm not sure that that particular practice will continue in heaven. See, if they race, it will be because they want to and they want to play. And Duke is a very lazy dog who just enjoys <coughs> getting pet. So I don't think Duke will be racing, but I could see other dogs racing around in heaven. That's right. <laughs> I kept... Uh, I dog sit Duke once, and him and, and uh, Christie's dog buddy, they had several races, and yeah. they and they thoroughly enjoyed it, and I enjoyed it too watching them. But, um, anyways, so number, what, give me a number. Animals on, on animals. the animals. Yeah, I, yeah. Well, you know, the whole Revelation talks about Jesus coming and returning on the great white horse, and and uh, for sure, I'm gonna give it a ten, and not just Jesus, but those who are with him. So. Um, absolutely. Ten. All right. I'm going to give it a ten, too. <laughs> Though, regretfully, when I was going to make my case for this, I opened up the Bible over here on the computer to uh, Revelation 22, which when you go down to verse 15, it says, outside are the dogs. <laughs> and, like, it's just so brutal to read that. But it also includes there in that verse, it says, outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. 
So it seems to be that within this particular verse, dogs is referring to some sort of moral quality. Yeah. And I'm I'm just going to go with that. Not to canines. Yeah. I'm going to go with that because I, I'm I'm just going. To, I'm making that choice right now. Um, may God have mercy on my soul. But also, you do see Jesus riding in on a white horse, and throughout Revelation chapter 22, you do see a restoration of many parts of the natural law and the natural order of things. Mm-hmm. Of course, you have trees, of things of that nature. In fact, when you go back to uh, verse 2 of Revelation 22, you get Eden restored where it says, down the middle of the great street of the city, um, on each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. So you do find a lot there. So there's there's obviously a lot of life going on. You've got the healing of the nations. You've got this is obviously in some connection with the tribes of Israel and things mm-hmm. of that nature. But you see God bringing his life, his original created order, which animals were a part of. He's restoring those things there and putting them in their proper place. So I'm going to give it a 10. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's go on to number seven, which is also related to the natural order and nature and things like that. Poisonous plants is mm-hmm. what I've got here. Plants with poison. Well, so a lot of poisonous plants or even venomous animals those are defense mechanisms those are survival tactics and so when there will be nothing but the kingdom those kind of defense mechanisms will no longer be necessary so there might be poison ivy in heaven or um oh i just forgot what's the very poisonous plant like it was a famous poison in in like turn of the century but anyways, it'll come to me later. Like those things I think will exist. Hemlock. Hemlock, thank you. So like hemlock will exist in heaven. They will be there, but they will not be poisonous or venomous or detrimental to the rest of the creative order because there's no reason to defend oneself uh, because life will be in its perfer- perfect succinct rhythm as Pastor Mike talked about with the drums earlier. So what are you going to give it? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, 10, yeah. Well, I'll say a 9 because it's going to be there, but... Again, it's going to relate differently. If, if it's not, you know what? You made your case. I'm going to let you, yeah, let's roll. Let me keep a nine. <laughs> Pastor Mike. Zero. <laughs> can I give a zero? You can give a zero. I gave a zero. You give a zero. And can you give a justification for that zero? Can you tell us why? Um, I just don't like to get close to poison ivy. It, it just <laughs> breaks me out. And, in, and that, to me, is not... Not heaven. Herein lies not heaven. But the modern... I don't know. That's my disclaimer. But at the end of the day, you know, I kind of side with Pastor Amanda. Even if there is this ivy or hemlock or there, it won't be poisonous. So, that, you know, to maybe be very particular on the question, it will not be poisonous plants there because the God of all creation is a God of life. And it those defense mechanisms will not be there need to be there and be in place. So I'm gonna say, I'm gonna give it a zero. Herein lies the modern interpretation of the Bible. I don't like poison, <laughs> therefore no. I don't like this, therefore that's not how pick God and works. Choose, huh? Yes, the picking and choosing. See, I'm gonna give this a ten for the opposite reason of what both of you all have okay. articulated. See, one of the things that I have come to speculate is that one of the reasons why creation is so dangerous is because it has to be to suspend itself above the void. Mm. There's always a cost. You know, one of the elements that I had not so much thought a little thought about with Cain and Abel, um, with their sacrifices there in Genesis, Cain's sacrifice is one that involves no suffering. There's no 
Like blood is shed when Abel kills the animals and brings them to God. Like a creature suffered. Mm. Like it's it's a it's a miserable fact. It's, it's it's something which is painful, but a suffering was happened in order for that sacrifice to be made. That happens ultimately when Jesus um, himself comes to to sacrifice himself. But creation, it is easy to collapse into death, but it's very hard to stay alive. Like nothing maintains a healthy life when you leave it alone. Like you even leave a house alone, it will rot. Mm-hmm. Like everything really in creation is trying to get ripped back to the void. But God has put in motion a certain amount of energy, a certain amount of forces and life being one of them to suspend themselves above the void. And that is a dangerous thing. And mm-hmm. I know that's a bit weird for a preacher to say, but but life itself is dangerous. And in order for God's creation to be restored, I'm thinking that there might be poisonous plants. I think there'll be some transformation. I've cer- certainly there's going to be transformation in and needn't I get into Revelation 21 where it talks about there being no pain, no crying, which presumably you're not getting your ankles broke out in poison ivy. <laughs> so I think there there will be some changes, but I think there'll actually be a element of danger that is still there. Well, don't forget we'll have a so, new body, and then the new body is going to be somewhat different or, you know, right. quite a bit different from, from the body we have now. So it, it may be that the, the poisonous plants don't even have to be changed. That's you know, true. That's, that's true. But you could also make that, that statement. Maybe to it's a, an us problem. <laughs> maybe it's an us problem. But you could also still say, well, the poisonous plants are being changed, kind of like y'all have. Mm-hmm. And that's very possible, too. Mm-hmm. But my thing is is kind of the argument that danger is an element that binds creation together. It's kind of a glue that suspends creation above the void. Yeah, I, I, I think I understand where you're going. I, I want to be careful because, like, suffering as a natural conclusion of the world is therefore necessary is different see, than saying suffering is necessary. See, that, so, I'm, I'm not saying that suffering. I'm saying danger, danger. like power. Hmm. That And this is – and I actually make this argument in the book that I'm working on that's – even the slightest sin, which we think is minuscule, creation is so powerful that whenever we do anything out of God's order, it creates suffering. Mm. Like that's why it's so easy to fall into suffering is because of how powerful creation actually is. Mm. Like whenever you do something against one of God's laws, you you mangle that dangerous power and it produces ripple effects of suffering and layers and layers of it. So my argument isn't that suffering is what binds creation together, but it's that there's an immaculate power that does. And suffering happens whenever any of those elements get out of order. Like, it, it has to be perfectly in tune. Hence, the old heaven, the old earth are going to melt away because sin has corrupted them. You're going to have, it, it's got to walk that fine line. Hmm. It's, it's an interesting concept, so yeah. just kind of chew on that one. Yeah, I have to. Um, all right, what do we got next? We're on number eight. All right. All right, so this one is interesting. One of the probably the most clever arguments I've ever heard about the one man-made thing that will be on from earth on in heaven will be the scars on Jesus. I think that's actually really kind of smart. But another thing that's interesting to hypothesize, we talk about that we won't carry anything with us into heaven, but what about ideas? What about, say, a hymn that has been written here mm-hmm. on earth? Will music from the old earth exist in the new heaven and new earth? So that's my speculation here. Music from the old earth. Will we sing some songs that we've sang before, or will there be all new songs? Revelation talks about this whole idea of like singing a new song. song we see these yeah. things. But will any of those old songs be retained as well? Uh, and this is, again, where we 
there's an odd thing that happens when we speak of the new heaven and new earth because it is still heaven on earth. It, 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 we're still human beings. We, we don't become angels. We don't become God. And, and yet we are more than what we are now. And, and so if all God was interested in was something completely different than the created order that exists now, then God would just create a completely different creative order. But God wants to redeem what is here. Yeah. And so I, I want to say that there is going to be these ties to uh, humanity and, and our, our and art and beauty and, and science, which is all incorporated in mathematics, which is all incorporated into music. And so I think there will be old songs. Uh, there will also be new songs. And, you know, as we talked about work at the beginning of this list, uh, we will have all of eternity to write new songs and better songs. But there will be something, some elements, and and even I think we will sing uh, things like "Great is Thy Faithfulness." Uh, so I, it will be different. It will be more beautiful and more powerful, uh, and we will continue to evolve to better things in heaven. But we will still be human and have those ties to our past. So I, I think and we'll, we'll learn the, the tune to the song that's in Philippians. So there will be a lot of uh, old and new and middling that we will experience. So I'm going to give it a 10. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Very nice. And, you know, building off that just a little bit, because we're kind of ripping anyway. Um, think about something like Great Is Thy Faithfulness. There's a lot of ways that people will do something like that. You can do like the contemporary version <laughs> where it's like a chorus or like the let's get out the organ. organ. <laughs> but you want to talk about a dangerous and powerful <laughs> instrument. Nobody's lukewarm about organs, organs either. either. Yeah. You see, they're, they're, for everybody that's like really excited about seeing drums in heaven, they don't want to see an organ. organ. And, and everyone who's p- excited about the organ don't want to see the drums, yeah. Yes, for sure. But I've got to the point where I kind of appreciate organ music. Mm-hmm. And, like, we need pipe organs in church because we need people to remember that God is sovereign and God is dangerous. Like, you should fear God. Whenever the organ is playing, <laughs> and if you've ever been around a big pipe organ, it is powerful. Like, mm-hmm. it consumes every molecule of air, and it just comes and beats down on you. You can barely even tell that it's music. The, the sound, the <laughs> harmonies are so powerful. They drone with such vigor that it's just like there. Um, so we talk about like you have the old version of songs, the new versions, and then there'll be like the new heaven, new earth version, which is even a totally different <laughs> yeah. interpretation of things. But yet you can still kind of see the common thing. So that's kind of interesting to think about. Yeah. Pastor Mike. I give it a ten. I know we we have that uh, verse about you know there will be a new song sung, we sing a new song and all of that, and and that's I do think there'll be totally new songs, but I also think there's this understanding of perfect knowledge, and um, and so I think that there is this uh, understanding there will be some some songs that we enjoy to to sing and pr- give praises to God. There will I think that will continue. Okay, that that will linger. Yeah, yeah and I'm going to give it a ten as well. Um, and I'm here, like my, my piano player or my piano teacher, Ruby Halliburton, she always said that when we all get to heaven, you know, when all things are set, we are going to spend a thousand years next to the river of life with a concert. She's going to get together with all of her students. And, you know, Mm -hmm. that's, that's the one engagement that I'm always, um, sure to have on the docket, um, as far as human affairs go. Mm -hmm. Um, God, I'm sure will have all sorts of things in store for me that I don't know currently, (laughs) But 
I want to go back to address the question of animals real quick because Amanda brought up, you know, we're not going to become angels. This is something that I like a lot of people think, but angels are a different species. They're, they're a whole different species. When we go to heaven, we, we are going to be creatures made in the image of God that have a, a new body. That's going to be a restoration of the human form. You're not going to become an angel. Scripture is actually pretty clear about this, too. There's even an implication that angels are a little bit jealous of, of humans for being made in the image of God. It's kind of a, a common trope of the devil, the adversary. But you might even be able to classify an angel as an animal, like weirdly, depending on how you would define that mm. and organize things. You might say, yeah, there's certainly going to be an- animals in heaven because, well, people will be there, angels will be there. So, I don't know, kind of a redundant thought. Well, especially if you look to the understanding that angels are created by God and even even when we look to, you know, Satan or, or Lucifer or, or the devil, however you want to describe that, you know, it is a fallen creature. has no power over God, and let's yeah. always remember that. Yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting thing to point out, too, that the devil is a fallen, fallen creature. Um, or someone like Samjaza from the Book of Enoch. Mm-hmm. The Book of Enoch does not, when it lists the events that take place that lead up to the flood of Noah— um, Lucifer is not the fallen angel in charge of all those um, angels that become demons. It's instead Samjaza and Azazel, like a whole other category of, of wicked ones. Mm. All right, number nine. We got two left to go. Mm-hmm. Number nine, beds. Beds. In other words, will you need to sleep sleeping beds? Mm. Well, again, uh, Revelation talks about there will be no night. Um, but again, the reason it says that is to say that like, there's nothing dark, there's nothing ominous, right. there's nothing dangerous. Cause that's like, that's when the animals come out and kill, the predators come out and kill you. That's when the army attacks and takes your city by surprise. So, so the idea is not so much that again, the created order is not going to be dismantled. Uh, so there probably will be day and night, sun, moon, and stars, but their necessity will be different. And so will there be beds? Well, probably I'm going to give it an eight because we do more than sleep on our beds and we hang out. We, we watch movies. We spend time with the people we love and care for. So, um, you know, I I think there's a good possibility. It it might serve a different purpose and we may get some rest. Like, I don't know how heaven's going to work, but we may still need to sleep a little bit. So, um, the, the necessity will change, but they might still exist. They probably will. So I'm going to say eight passing. Okay. Pastor Mike? Uh, disclaimer, I do not know, but I'm going to give it a 10 as well because, mm. you know, we do enter into the rest of God. And, um, you know, I can I can see that, that rhythm of God as we, we do have those moments where our body does rest. Uh, and so I think there's a whole deeper understanding of rest, of taking a time, of reflecting of God's work in our life. And so, I, I yeah, I'm going to give it a 10. I like how we wait till number nine to give the disclaimer. I do not know. <laughs> I just assume that disclaimer was out there because, mm-hmm. like, yeah. obviously uh-huh. I have not had the, the, the no, Johannine experience. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, we're only kind of putting these pieces together best as our, our understanding can do. Mm. So. But we have received the Johannine experience. We have the book of Revelation mm. that was given yeah. to John. We can read it. So I was originally going to give this a five. But after listening to the two of you speak, and Amanda kind of brought up, that sleep itself actually serves a multitude of functions. Kind of you, you triggered some things that made me think, you know, the created order, 
being able to go to sleep is one of the best things for our minds to like re- reset, mm-hmm. um, to actually kind of take your hormones and your emotions and even the stress and stuff you have in your body. It kind of restructures things. I know after Sunday, like I really need the Nazarene nap. <laughs> like that's a pretty important thing to me. Like there's a lot of elements that I do Sunday, which just zap all the energy for me. I, there's nothing else that I do that is more tiresome than a Sunday service. And I mean, I do stuff that's like, you know, take the heads off, a, off of a 6.0 turbo diesel engine or, <laughs> you know, pull a car out of a valley using a, you know, come along or something crazy that's actually physically strenuous. But doing the Sunday service still makes me so tired. Like I'm just mm-hmm. zapped. Mm-hmm. But a good thing that happens, God is prepared for that. You take a nap, you wake up afterwards, and you're like, oh, okay, my, my brain is reset. Like, I'm, I'm good to go now. So for that, I'm going to give it a passing grade. I'm going to go with an eight just to, to say, yeah, I think that it's it's passable, that we'll still need that sort of rest. And also, well, if you're going to have that rest, it's you're probably not going to be doing that on something uncomfortable. Probably going to do that in a bit. So I'm going to give it an eight. All right, here's the final one. Time. Will time exist in heaven? Number 10. It, I think we've said this a lot about a lot of these subjects. I'm going to kind of reuse it. I think, yeah, there will be some kind of ordering. There will be some kind of measurement of the experience of God's presence and our interaction with it. And in some sense... Like I know a lot of people, I think it's a very modern or postmodern thought. They're like, oh, time is a human construct. It's really not. I mean, like, the, the, the you got to show up to work at 9 o'clock. That's a human construct or a modern human construct. But since the, since the beginning of creation, I mean, the first thing God does is put light and dark. And then he orders the sun and the moon and the stars to, to give rule over the light and the dark. And so there's something about this where god needs knows that we need order and structure and so we have the seasons we have days we have months we have years we have decades and all and so forth and so on so i think that's still going to exist in heaven but again our interaction with it's going to be differently we're not going to be panicking and be like oh my gosh i have to get you know i have to get to the worship service by eight o'clock or or i've got to run over here and do this by two or i gotta you know the panic of of time won't be there but there is still going to be some kind of order to our life. And it, it is eternity, so there's not going to be an end time, an end date. But there's going to be a moment which leads into a new moment, which leads into a different moment. So there has to be some concept of time. So I'm going to say, I think nine is kind of my good one to go with like, yes, but. So I'm going to stay with nine. Okay. Pastor Mike? I'm going to go with another ten. Um, simply because, you know, if we ask ourselves what is time and to define time and really the the our God who created the heavens and the earth, we, we define time as really um, the turning of the earth as, as the sun casts a shadow perhaps on a sundial or something of that nature. But I think in a, in a more in-depth understanding, is it is a reflection of, of God's movement and the things God has set in order. And so for from that standpoint, I give it a 10, that we'll be reflecting on the movement of God nonstop, that, that time will be redefined as we know it as far as the sunlight and the, the spinning of the new uh, heaven, new earth, whatever. But I do think that the reflection and the monitoring of the movement of God will be so powerful that I have to give it a 10. So I'm going to give it a 10 too. 
which also tallies up all of our final scores. It's interesting. Pastor Mike had the highest rating <laughs> up to a certain point where he gave that whopping zero to poisonous plants. <laughs> Amanda was uh, took the lead after that. And then here with my last one, I'm giving it a 10, which bumps my final score to 91, hmm. leaving both Amanda and Mike at a 90. So this is not a bad program. We're yeah. a 90, 91 percentile program, you know, whether you're looking <laughs> by college or like high school points, that's a B or A, depending on which metric you use. But now to time. Why do I give it a 10? When you see God organize the heavens and the earth, and I'm glad you went back to Genesis, we see even God use the Sabbath as mm -hmm. a model of time marking. And we also see things like the exodus out of Egypt. Every year you're going to have a Passover to remember this. I wouldn't be surprised that if in like two million years from now or something like that, like everybody annually has to go have a, a festival where we, we do some ritual where we remember the judgment of the living and the dead, mm. where all of these souls were cast into the lake of the fire so that you could live in a world where there is no sin. Like every year we have to do this and everybody gets together and remembers that there are people just smoldering in ash because of their wanton and unrepentant sin. And we remember that and remember that God the Son paved the way by going and dying for us. And we're going to just look back in time at this as be like this small moment in some ancient era where things were really bad and God came and sorted it out. But because of the sacrifice of the Son, of God the Son, we need to remember that. So we have a feast about it. I think that could be certainly a recurring theme in heaven and thus itself be a marker of time. And of course, things like the Sabbath, that was described as good, being morally good, God taking the day of rest, another marker of time. I kind of agree with Amanda, like we've told ourselves this is a human construct. It's really not. And I think for that purpose, it's going to go on. So that's my like logical side of my brain. But then the, the illogical side of my brain is like also swatch watches. <laughs> um, I really hope I love me some swatch watches. They're ugly. They're gaudy. They're colorful. And I was born in 1991, so I can love swatch watches if I, if I want to. Like as, a, as an adult, I'm like, that's a hideous thing. Why do I want that? But then I'm like, it makes me feel young again. The nostalgia mm -hmm. is just awesome. So I hope that there is a better version of swatch watches. I'm going to have to leave all the swatch watches behind and I'm fully fine with that. Hmm. I'm, I'm, let me tell you, I'm not going to hell <laughs> over <laughs> lust of swatch watches. <laughs> I hope not. I, I really hope that's not the line for me. But at the same time, I hope there is some cool ways of counting time in heaven that are going to look really fashionable. Hmm. And it's also going to be a weird paradox for me because at one hand, I want it to look really immaculate. But in order for it to satisfy the swatch watch lust, it's got to be really like gaudy. So. <laughs> Um, though the one I have on today is not gaudy. It was a, a gift. It's a very cool looking watch. Um, some of the old ones from the 80s and 90s are ugly. <laughs> but there's my weird Swatch Watch rant. <laughs> which I've also got on two Swatch Watches. One from 1984 and then one that's brand new. Any final thoughts now that we've wrapped this up? Our score for this program. Y'all both gave it a 90. I gave it a 91. <laughs> Any final thoughts on our list of 10 things that might be in heaven? Mm -hmm. I, I think it's a good list. And yeah, as Pastor Mike said, we, we don't know for sure. But in heaven will always be more, or the new new heaven, the new earth, the kingdom in its fullness will always be more than we could ever think or comprehend in this life. And yet it is this life reaching its most natural conclusion when all things are caught up in the love of God. So 
who knows what's gonna what it will look like and what it will be but it will it will be and it will be wonderful so amen pastor mike um yeah i just uh, you know i enjoyed all, the whole list uh except for obviously plants. the poisonous plants <laughs> and um and you had the you had the you're keeping tally over there and you were able to give the the 10 on the last one just so you could get one point ahead of us it's not a competition it's not a competition but it, it there is a race um <laughs> to get the highest number supposedly but no i think really and truly we do not know exactly every detail or any you know but we just trust god and god's presence there is going to be what makes heaven the paradise, <laughs> the love of God. Sure. And so, yeah, I, uh, I, I, I give this show, you know, even higher than my 91 just because, or 90, I'm sorry. We, we do have this hope of not only seeing Christ Jesus in heaven and having eternal life, but see those loved ones who have died in Christ again. And I think for that reason, you know, we don't worship heaven. We worship God. But at the same time, let us not lose that hope of eternal life. No. High aspirations. High aspirations. Have high aspirations. And, you know, Amanda said it will be better than anything we imagined. Absolutely. There might be the perfect Swatch Watch that is so (laughs) ugly it's beautiful. Um, which they're already so so gaudy they're attractive. But um, I'm just kidding. I, I don't actually think they're gaudy. I just... It's just weird. <laughs> so I do think there's going to be a lot of beauty in heaven. You know, we get those images of everything being made out of fine jewels and things of that nature. So it's going to be exciting. Going to be really exciting. I hope that we are all there. And on that point, make sure we know on the Lord Christ Jesus and therefore be saved because that is the the way, the truth, the life. It is a beautiful thing to walk and know the Lord. Amen. God himself left heaven to come down so that he could know you. And even amidst things like work, ice cream, racing, clothing, drums, animals, poisonous plants, music from the old earth, beds, and time, God is with us through all of those things. Amen. So with that, I thank you for joining us. May God bless you and keep things abundant in your life. I'll see you next time. God love you and have a blessed day.